You're listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine, a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations. Direct from our central London studio, here's your host, Lori Havelock. This week on the Ticker Podcast, we chat to GE about new IR ideas, investigate interest rates with med assets, and take a look at the upcoming proxy season. Welcome back to the Ticker Podcast. It's a weekly roundup of the top headlines from around the world of investor relations, and I am joined by all three of the podcast crew today, Tim Heumann, Garnet Roach, and Condice Petit. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, morning. It's good to have, well, good to have Tim back, actually, because Tim, you've been away for two whole weeks. We have been rudderless without a captain at IR Magazine. Um, things have really, really gone wrong. No, not, not, we're all still alive. We're all still going. <laughs> just uh, about. Just about. How did you spend your time away? What were you doing? I had a, yeah, I had a very nice uh, two weeks away. I combined a bit of a, a staycation, sort of pottering around London, um, going on some nice walks, uh, doing a bit of swimming, things like that, with uh, a few days in uh, Spain, in Valencia. A staycation being a vacation where you stay exactly where you are? Yes, it's, it's kind of just a, a new word that describes not doing it, not going to do anything. <laughs> not going to work and not doing anything else either. That's perfect. great. Yeah, it's, a very, it's a very glamorous word for what is, you know, staying at home and eating pizza. Oh, I, I think I need one of those. Yeah, I use one of those all the time. Um, and we, we, of course, have been working very hard. That back to school feeling last week dissipated very quickly into hard work autumn. Yes, mode, definitely. We shouldn't go on about Hard our... work October. Yes. Yeah. Um, the fruits of which you'll be reading very, very shortly, um, as I've told you about the Global Practice Report and the new issue, winter issue of IR Magazine, all of which will be coming your way very shortly. Because, of course, as Garnet knows... Winter is coming. You've been waiting a long time to do that joke. For all your it's an annual joke. It's an annual joke. We're going to bring it out every once year. Once a year. <laughs> um, but first on to uh, Condice. Condice, you've been speaking to, I, I believe, med assets, who are very easy to call mad assets, would be a slightly more wacky proposition um, but about interest rates and what might be happening in that area yeah not sure uh, robert boshart's there um Ira would appreciate us calling them mad assets but <laughs> <laughs> i've been speaking to um yes this u.s healthcare technology firm for my feature on the upcoming interest rate rise and um uh, robert boshart said he didn't anticipate the rate rise to dramatically um, impact the firm's investor targeting strategy that the issue wasn't top of mind for investors and analysts uh, he meets, surprisingly. He explains that uh, for most companies in his sector, which are um, high growth and uh, don't pay dividends, the, the impact of a rate rise would depend on the size of the company, how much debt they have, how much of that debt is fixed versus floating, and quote, what your capital structure is today, what, you, what your long-term strategy is, organic growth versus M&A, which can change certain perspectives. And also, um, if you're a takeover target and rates go up, it's more expensive for the buyer to borrow money to acquire you, so you're, you're less attractive. That's really interesting, very far-ranging effects then. What about um, other sectors? Do you have anything to say about that? Well, he pointed out that uh, in other sectors, such as financials or consumer discretionary, which are rate-sensitive, Irish should need to be aware of a change in focus from their current and potential investors, which will, quote, have to run a number of modeling exercises to understand the pros and cons of the investment going forward. And also, um, well, it's been 18 months since the Fed has been hinting about a potential rate rise. So Borchardt says um, the uncertainty over the timing wasn't a, an issue and that a lot of the interest rate talk had already been factored into the stock market. And that, quote, if you're uh, at zero rate today, any increase that could offset any potential inflationary or deflationary environment, I think, is appropriate. And most of the market has reckoned with that today. 
Borsha goes on to explain that uh, investor targeting requires a good understanding of not just the asset manager firm you're targeting, but also uh, the specific investment criteria of each fund manager. So IROs really need to keep on top of uh, how their investment perspective might change. That sounds like quite an optimistic point of view then. Yes, well, he, he was pretty optimistic and he said that uh, just because interest rates should rise didn't mean it was the end of a bull market run because, quote, in most cases, the reasons for rising interest rates are because uh, you have a much more steady or improving economic outlook for the country. Mm. It's interesting that he says, like you say, it's, it's, he's optimistic about it. It's not something necessarily IR departments can be struggling to, you know, warn their investors about and ward them off. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's interest rate heights seem to be equated with negativity quite often. But, uh, yeah. but we'll, we'll see how that comes up and probably is mentioned on a couple of balance sheets uh, in the upcoming proxy season. I imagine some investors might be worried or interested about it. Garnet, what other issues are going to be top of their bills? Um, so I've been having a bit of a look at some of the top issues for 2016's proxy season. ISS released the results of its annual global voting policy survey, and so I picked out a few of the big stories across North America, Asia, and Europe. Of course, some of the issues are global rather than region-specific, and most important of these for the coming year is director overboarding, says ISS. For directors that are not active CEOs, 34% of investor respondents indicate that a total of four board seats is an appropriate limit. That was the highest percentage in any one category. And for those that are active CEOs, almost half of investors say that just two board seats, so a CEO's home board plus one outside board, is an appropriate limit, while 32% favoured a limit of three board seats. Well, I would have thought proxy access would be top of their balance, Garnet. What, surely they've been had some opinions to share about that. Well, in the US, uh, proxy access is going to be the top issue. Of course, this was one of the biggest proxy season stories of this year as well, and ISS asked investors what provisions they think would warrant votes against directors. And a majority of investors surveyed by the proxy advisor appear to support the terms originally set out by the SEC on the issue, namely that ownership's namely that an ownership threshold in excess of 3% or an ownership duration of greater than three years would warrant negative votes on directors. I'm kind of skimming across the issues. Obviously, um, ISS went into much greater detail, but we don't really have time for all of that. So I'm going to jump into Asia, uh, where one of the biggest proxy stories is going to be outside director qualifications in Japan. It's definitely not an area we're familiar with, can't it? No, actually, I am. I, <laughs> I talked about this in the podcast at one point. Laurie, weren't you listening? Um, no comment. <laughs> but in light of the new Japanese corporate governance code that I talked about in the podcast um, and the sharp increase in the number of outside directors in that market, investors see an outside director's independence from management as the most important, followed by an outside director's skill set, says ISS. Other important considerations include industry experience, a director's service on other boards, and director's educational level. And because of the big changes that are taking place, it's obviously going to be quite an interesting one to follow over the coming year, so I'm sure I will revisit that. Over in Europe now, uh, investors, are going to be look at, investors are going to be looking at multiple voting rights. And I spoke to Georgina Marshall, who is Global Head of Research and Policy at ISS, and she explains that the issue is of particular interest in France, where multiple voting rights for long-term shareholders have been and remain an issue. And so the French government introduced automatic double voting rights through the Florange Act, which took effect fully this year. Companies and shareholders effectively now have to actively opt out to avoid automatic introduction. And she says, quote, of course, encouraging long-term shareholding is a laudable aim, but in reality, the provisions to obtain them can be restrictive and difficult for many long-term institutional investors to take advantage of, but easy for others. 
and can entrench controlling shareholders. It also runs counter to the widely held investor principle of equal treatment and one share, one vote. She adds that more than 90% of investors responding to the survey agreed with statements that long-term shareholder value is best enhanced by treating all shareholders equally. And this appears to be true even where shareholders have the chance to take advantage of enhanced voting rights, she notes. For example, this year at French companies, shareholders who had the choice voted to maintain the one-share-one-vote principle in 34 out of 41 companies where such a vote was held, which is quite interesting, I thought. I think the, the Florange law is, uh, is more interesting for um, employees, was introduced for employees who, who uh, hold stock options for a long time, uh, maybe not for the benefit of institutional investors. Well, as you mentioned already, Garnet, I'm sure you'll be the first person to check in for any updates from the exciting proxy season that you've made it sound so interesting. And the new Japanese corporate and governance code. Yeah. Which is what I'm most interested in. Exactly. Uh, but on to Tim now, uh, who, as previously confessed, has been looking at an, an, an article from our previous issue, our fall issue, after looking ahead to our winter issue. And um, you've been looking at our interview of our cover stars at GE. Is that right? Yeah. Well, since I've been on holiday for the last two weeks, I don't actually have a whole lot to talk about myself. That is, that is fair enough. Um, so I thought I'd talk about someone else's article instead. Um, the full issue, our quarterly print issue, uh, is hitting desks at the moment, so I thought I'd discuss the cover story a bit. It's written by our writer, Elizabeth Judd, and it's an interview with the head of IR at General Electric, Matt Cribbins. Now, he's been at GE for 20 years, uh, and he's been in charge of the IR department since the start of 2014. We wanted to talk to Matt because while he's been there, which isn't that long, only about a year and a half at the moment, he's already made lots of innovations. And what kind of innovations might those be? Well, just to, just to list some of them, they've uh, relaunched the earnings release. So it has a kind of an infographic feel. So it's got lots of um, colors and charts and things like that. They've overhauled the 10K, which for non-US issu- issuers is the annual report filing. So it organizes the disclosures by topic rather than in the, the traditional format. Uh, GE says there's been a big uptick in downloads of, of the 10K since the redesign. They've also revamped the company's IR newsletter, which goes out to 19,000 subscribers, so a lot of people. And then they've also set up an uh, Apple and Android apps, uh, which have amassed uh, 3,000 downloads so far. Sounds like an engine engine of change. (laughs) (laughs) I think you might be referring to the the snappy (laughs) headline of the cover story, Condice. Yes, I think you you came up with that, Tim. (laughs) That's a very good one. I wanted brain-powered IR. You said it was too wacky. (laughs) Also a a very good option, I think. The, um, the interview also looks at some of the IR challenges GE has faced uh, due to the big portfolio changes taking place at the company, such as the company's largest ever acquisition of Alstom in April last year, and also the dramatic shrinking of its finance arm, uh, GE Capital. So there's been lots of uh, communications challenges there and also changes to the shareholder base to take into account. And has there been anything in particular that's driven these changes? Was it you know, pressure from investors or other outside forces? Well, I think it's always interesting how um, the broader corporate culture at a company filters through into the IR team. Uh, so, for example, at tech companies, lots of departments blog. So there are much more likely to be IR teams blogging at tech companies as well. At GE, the, the company's current favorite management philosophy is called FastWorks, uh, which tries to get the company, the huge company's staff to act a bit more like they're in a startup. So not being scared to try out new ideas, potentially ditch them if they're not working out, you know, just to be a bit more free about what they're going to do. So that encourages Matt to try lots of innovations, you know, some bigger things, but also smaller ones, and just to see how they pan out, which sounds like a pretty fun way to uh, run the department, really. There's obviously plenty more information uh, in the interview itself. So you can either read that in the, in the print edition or it's also on the website now. 
Yes, like Tim mentions, all of these stories from our full edition will be available on the website if you're an IR Magazine subscriber, or you can catch them in the physical copy, which should be, you know, falling onto your desk, uh, available in your mailbox in the very near future. And of course, our winter edition is in full flow, as we mentioned, to keep um, your eyes peeled on IR Magazine for any information about that. Um, but we're going to disappear very quickly because we've got, as we've mentioned, a very busy week ahead. So thank you guys for joining me in this frantic time. Thank Since you, Lauren. And we will all be back next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine. For free access to all the latest global investor relations news and analysis, register at irmagazine.com or download the app.